Hello adventurer, and welcome to the Skyrim Book Club, the on-the-go solution for the busy adventure in Tamriel's coldest, far-reaching province. Let us collect the literature and lore of this great province for you and put it into a portable package so that you never have to stop fighting dragons, picking flowers, or stealing from shopkeepers when they aren't looking. With an ever-increasing archive, SkyrimBookClub.ca has got the story for you. Until next time, enjoy the book. Ancient Tales of the Dwemer, Part 10, The Dowry, by Maravar Sol. Book 10 of a series of fictional stories about the Dwemer. Ineli was the wealthiest landowner in Gunal, and he had over the years saved a tremendous dowry for the man who would marry his daughter, Jennifer. When she reached the age of consent, he locked the gold away for safekeeping, and announced his intention to have her marry. She was a comely lass, a scholar, a great athlete, but dour and brooding in aspect. This personality defect did not bother her potential suitors, any more than her positive traits impressed them. Every man knew the tremendous wealth that would be his as the husband of Jennifer and son-in-law of Yeneli. That alone was enough for hundreds to come to Gunal to pay court. The man who will marry my daughter, said Yeneli to the assembled, must not be doing so purely out of avarice. He must demonstrate his own wealth to my satisfaction. This simple pronouncement removed a vast majority of the suitors, who knew that they could not impress the landowner with their meager fortunes. A few dozen did come forward within a few days, clad in fine killart cloth of spun silver, accompanied by exotic servants, traveling in magnificent carriages. Of all who came to meet with Yeneli's approval, none arrived in a more resplendent fashion than Waylon Nerelik, the young man, who no one had ever heard of, arrived in a shining ebon coach, drawn by a team of dragons, his clothing of rarest manufacture, and accompanied by an army of the most fantastical servants any of Gunal had ever seen. Valets with eyes on all sides of their head, maidservants that seemed cast in gemstones. But such was not enough with Yeneli. The man who marries my daughter must prove himself an intelligent fellow, for I would not have an ignoramus as a son-in-law and business partner, he declared. This eliminated a large part of the wealthy suitors, who, through their lives of luxury, had never needed to think very much, if at all. Still, some came forward over the next few days, demonstrating their wit and learning, quoting the great sages of the past, and offering their philosophies of metaphysics and alchemy. Waylon Nerelik too came, and asked Yaneli to dine at the villa he had rented outside of Gunal. There the landowner saw scores of scribes working on translations of Aldmeri tracts, and enjoyed the young man's somewhat irreverent but intriguing intelligence. Nevertheless, though he was much impressed with Waylon Nerelik, Yaneli had another challenge. I love my daughter very much, said Yaneli, and I hope that the man who marries her will make her happy as well. Should any of you make her smile, she and the great dowry are yours. The suitors lined up for days, singing her songs, proclaiming their devotion, describing her beauty in the most poetic of terms. Jennifer merely glared at all with hatred and melancholia. Yaneli, who stood by her side, began to despair at last. His daughter's suitors were failing to a man at this task. Finally, Waylon Nerelik came to the chamber. I will make your daughter smile, he said. I dare say I'll make her laugh, but only after you've agreed to marry us. If she is not delighted within one hour of our engagement, the wedding can be called off. Yaneli turned to his daughter. She was not smiling, but her eyes had sparked with some morbid curiosity in this young man. As no other suitor had even registered that for her, he agreed. The dowry is naturally not to be paid till after you've wed, said Yaneli. Being engaged is not enough. Might I see the dowry still? asked Waylon. And knowing how fabled the treasure was, and understanding that this would likely be the closest this young man would come to possessing it, 
Yanaley agreed. He had grown quite fond of Waylon. On his orders, Waylon, Yanaley, Glum Jennifer, and the Castellan delved deep into the stronghold of Gunal. The first vault had to be opened by touching a series of runic symbols. Should one of the marks be mispressed, a volley of poisoned arrows would obstruct the thief. Yanaley was particularly proud of the next level of security. A lock composed of blades with 18 tumblers required three keys to be turned simultaneously to allow entry. The blades were designed to eviscerate anyone who merely picked one of the locks. Finally, they reached the storeroom. It was entirely empty. My Lorcan, we've been burgled, cried Yanaley. But how? Who could have done this? A humble, but, if I may say so, rather talented burglar, said Waylon. A man who has loved your daughter from afar for many years, but did not possess the glamour or the learning to impress. That is, until the gold from her dowry afforded me the opportunity. You, bellowed Yanaley, scarcely able to believe it. Then something even more unbelievable happened. Jennifer began to laugh. She had never even dreamed of meeting anyone like this thief. She threw herself into his arms before her father's outraged eyes. And after a moment, Yanaley too began to laugh. Jennifer and Waylon were married in a month's time. Though he was in fact quite poor and had little scholarship, Yanaley was amazed how much his wealth increased with such a son-in-law and business partner. He only made certain never to ask from whence the excess gold came. A Publisher's Note The tale of a man trying to win the hand of a maiden whose father, usually a wealthy man or a king, tests each suitor is quite common. See, for instance, the more recent Four Suitors of Benita by Yole Yolaves. The behavior of the characters is quite out of character for the Dwemer. No one today knows their marriage customs, or even if they had marriage at all. One rather odd theory of the disappearance of the dwarves came from this and a few other tales of Marabar Sul. It was proposed that the Dwemer never, in fact, left. They did not depart in Urn, much less the continent of Tamriel, and they are still among us, disguised. These scholars used the story of Azura and the Box to suggest that the Dwemer feared Azura, a being they could neither understand nor control, and they adopted the dress and manner of Chimer and Altmer in order to hide from Azura's gaze.